Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. Just the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. I'm Richard over there as Ryan. We're your hosts for episode 190, where we will be reviewing the latest movie written and directed by Ty West and starring Ethan Hawke, John Travolta, Tessa Farmiga, and Jumpy the Dog in the revenge movie western in a valley of violence. Hey, fellas, I don't think this bum knows where he is. They call this place Valley of Violence. Once you back up, before you find out why, you talk too much. Everyone, you are gonna see a fight. Oh, I love a good fight. <laughs> you gonna face me like a man or what? You started this. I'm gonna finish it too. Oh, he just spit on him. He just spit on Gilly. I am the marshal here in Denton, and I can't have people thinking this kind of business goes on around here. So you find yourself another town. Far away from here. Yeah, it's right. a good film. Oh, wait a minute. What? Yeah. You kind of acted like it wasn't the other day. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is All from right. the... It sucks. <laughs> from the IMDb... I'm Flippy Flop, your host. <laughs> from the IMDb plot summary, this is a, a mysterious stranger in a random act of violence drive a town or drag a town of misfits and nitwits into the bloody crosshairs of revenge. All right, we've proven to be predisposed towards Westerns on the Laugh Podcast. Most recently championing uh, Bone Tomahawk and uh, The Hateful Eight last year, Slow West. This year's Magnificent Seven remake, which also stars Ethan Hawke, is like a version of the character that he plays in Magnificent Seven. Uh, Forsaken (coughs) earlier this year with Kiefer and Donald Sutherland. In fact... We devoted an entire episode to our favorite Western since 1995, back on episode 76, last December. But that was a few months before we saw Greg Zoller's Bone Tomahawk, which then vaulted near the top of my list. And I think for you, too. Yeah, it was probably top ten. All right, so this movie was among my most anticipated movies of the year, and so you agreed to watch it for the show for this week. And the Valley of Violence has all the earmarks of a classic Western examining universal themes around topics like revenge and isolation, pulling from common Western tropes and stereotypes of the lone gunman and the morally compromised, isolated Western town, inhabited by archetypes such as the shady, sh- the shady marshal, the ethically lapsed priest, and an innocent girl with dreams of a better life. But I have two questions for you, Mr. Ryan. Uh-huh. Where, if at all, would this movie fall on the on your list of top five Western modern Western since 1995. And, uh, does this movie, which some argue relies on stereotypes and hackneyed tropes <coughs> do anything to extend the genre? Uh, I don't think this would fall on my top five, uh, Westerns in the last 20 years. Uh, it's an interesting attempt and I, I definitely see elements of high plains drifter in this. Um, the director even said he saw a little bit of uh, Rambo First Blood in this. I was thinking about the screenplay. <clears throat> I didn't realize until I started doing research on the film that this was a town of misfits and nitwits. 
And it, it made me think, like, oh, is this, like, some mining town, former mining town, and, like, chemicals have started to seep into the well water? Oh, you and think? And that's why everyone's a little off. They are a little off. Yeah, it, it's it's a strange film. Uh, I wanted to like it more than I ended up enjoying it. Uh, I like Ethan Hawke. I like John Travolta. I like both of the females, uh, Karen Gillan and Tisa Formiga. Oh, Tessa Farmiga. Tessa Farmiga. Farmiga. I mean, I like all the people. Uh, Burn Gorman as the priest. I love that opening scene. I thought mm-hmm. that was great. That was a lot of fun. Just I kept thinking of Andy Circus. All the parts just don't come together. And to me, that is indicative of the director, Ty West. Okay. Um, we'll probably talk about some of his other films a little later well, in the show. Most mostly known for horror movies. Yeah, he did uh one of the segments of the original VHS movie. He did a uh, second honeymoon which I thought was one of the weaker elements in now, that one. I'll and be then, honest with you, I don't I've never seen any of his movies. Oh, uh, uh his other film The Sacrament I was looking forward to about 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a fictionalized account of Jonestown or like a Jonestown like. Okay, wasn't that in so, VHS 2? Wasn't there a fictionalized account of a Jonestown? Like, yeah, yeah, another suicide cult. A little different, but um, The Sacrament is like uh, if an actual news team went and recorded Jonestown. Oh, okay. And it's fine. Right. I thought that was hours. in Peter. I don't know. Maybe I saw yeah, parts of that somewhere. I, I wanted to like that one more than I ended up, so. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish there was more. I feel like they were dealing with a really small budget. Like, there are no extras in this film, right. pretty much. It was an isolated town. Everyone are, had left. Yeah, there are more buildings in this town than there are people. <laughs> and then uh, there's a, a flashback sequence that felt like it was filmed in someone's backyard. Yeah, with a flashlight. Yeah, that yeah. that was pretty rough. Um, I wasn't sure what they were getting at with that. And it, again, it was probably had a lot to do with budget. But they got some big name actors in it. This is uh, Ethan Hawke's. I mean, I, I guess he really wants to be a Western movie star. I guess, yeah, with this being his second film. So, yeah, it's interesting. What did you think of it? Well, honestly, the star of the movie is the dog. I mean, there's no there's no doubt that Jumpy the dog playing, uh, was it Allie? No. Abby. Abby. Allie was my dog. <laughs> that she, uh, he or she, well, the character is a girl, uh, really kind of takes over the, the movie for the first, you know. I mean, this is John Wick in the West. I guess I should probably, it's pretty clear where it's headed. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but it's pretty clear that, uh, I, I think that it might even be in the trailer that uh that this this is going to be the the element that puts Ethan Hawke in this sort of uh track towards revenge his relationship that he has with this this dog which is also it's also sort of clunky clunkily handled the way that they have a backstory and that flashback it kind of comes out in a weird sort of situation you would have thought that they would have done a better job establishing how this dog could get to be so I don't know. Uh, Integral, yeah, in his life, as opposed to just the 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 answer that they give him for that question. Plus, I mean, it's very well trained, so it's a, it's part of his superhero powers. If he's a superhero lone gunman type deal, you know this this part of his that's uh, plays a big part in sort of the first scene, the opening scene, the cold open. You said, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything up until 
maybe 40 minutes in. And then I thought, what a hypocrite am I? Because normally I, all this dog tension stuff, it's all I ever talk about. I won't watch movies with dogs and blah, blah, blah. And I knew where this movie was headed. I won't watch John Wick because blah, 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 dog, blah, blah, blah. I knew I was going to fall in love with this dog. <laughs> and I did. And uh, I don't know. I just, now I figure I have to go watch John Wick and not be such a hypocrite. John Wick handles it all so much better. The dog tension in this film, this whole situation is ridiculous. But it's, they make Ethan Hawke able to handle these situations way too well for the lapse of judgment he shows at 40 minutes in this film. It's just, it's ridiculous. It would never happen. Right. I, I agree with that. Except... Within the parameters of the movie, mm-hmm. we have very clear motivations. And they're they're tired, maybe, and kind of tropey, a little bit original when you're talking about a dog. Um, but because I was, had such a big problem with a movie like The Accountant, where I didn't really understand anybody's motivation for anything, with a movie like this where, yeah, there's a very clear motivation for the thing that this person does. There's a very clear motivation for the thing the villain does. There's a very – I mean – even in dialogue, the characters will spell out what their motivations are and why they're choosing to do one thing over the other. John Travolta's character explains why he's, you know, why he decides to take the tack that he does with Ethan Hawke's character. And I, I'm, I'm like, you know, cheering. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is exactly what I want. I want, I, I mean, I like ambiguity, but I, I don't, I don't like ridiculous, you know, lapses in motivation. And for having, this is kind of why I think I like Westerns so much, because they set up clear motivations for characters, and then there's a payoff. You can't doubt that there's a payoff with this movie. So even though it, uh, I mean, th- things are sort of clumsy, mm-hmm. for the most part, this was a very, very satisfying movie. I almost stopped watching it, though. I did almost stop watching it. I got very, like you. Like, I don't see if, how then it's satisfying. I, it, it redeemed itself. Kind of like that movie, uh, what did we watch? Not The Gift, but um, The Invitation. The Invitation. That movie I didn't like a whole lot until the ending. And then it sort of redeemed itself. And I think that there are a lot of things in the the final, I don't know, shootout situation where the movie is redeemed. Okay, I mean, we can get into the ending. Yeah, we'll have to wait for it. I did not care for the ending. I I was hoping they were saving a lot of their budget for the ending. Like I said, the the opening scene is probably the best scene in the whole movie with Byrne Gore, uh, Gorman. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was well done. Travolta, I felt like, showed up for three days on set. Yeah, and, maybe. And he's like, yeah, I just want to sit. Can you uh, <laughs> like have my leg be injured or something so I don't have to move around and do anything? Because I think they said, yeah, we're going to have this awesome gunfight and you know we're going to have you riding a horse and everything. And Travolta went, no. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and they're like, here, you know, we're we're going to weave this hair piece in. No, I'll just wear a hat. No, come on now. That's that's not. It It's a Western. He's got to be wearing a hat. He did have the best hat, though. He had the best hat in the in the movie. And he, I thought he was good. I thought he I thought he was solid in that role. So just being a bit part, that doesn't take away from his worth in the movie. They don't spend enough time with him and his son. Right. Well, like, that's that's some of the, like the that, stuff that's that, just really lacking. We just we needed that to come together a little more. If, if you want to say his speech halfway through the film is original and you know it does create clear motivations, fine. <laughs> I guess you're so dismissive. 
<clears throat> again, it felt like, ooh, we only have time to do three or four John Travolta scenes, so, you know, let's give him a meaty monologue so we feel like we got our money's worth out of him. I don't know. I think the character was written and Travolta brought another level to it. I think he had an idea what he the wanted to do with that guy. more sheriffs and deputies than it has people. But that's a that's kind of a trope. And again, uh, I mean, even if it's not unoriginal, it's sort of a hackneyed oh, yeah. idea. And it's concept. got this huge hotel. Well, my, the problem, well, if it was a boom town, then it would make sense for it to have a huge hotel. I mean, it apparently it was a silver mine, right? It yeah, had so, been a silver mining town, and now everybody's pretty much left. Yeah, there's and mercury in the water or something, so everyone's going a little crazy. Oh, is that what they say? Did they? Did they no, have a line that's, in that's that? my best guess. Don't we use mercury when we well, mine I, for mercury? <laughs> or we uh, use mercury when we mine for mercury. I haven't we, done much silver mining in yeah. my life, but I, I believe you there. I, I think that might be something he's working with in terms of horror elements, and it seems like there's always got to be ditzy characters. Because they have to put themselves in stupid situations. Mostly with horror movies. It's one of the drawbacks I see with it. And then a lot of the drawbacks I see with this movie are the way that those secondary and tertiary characters behave. But the scene inside the bar, when Ethan Hawke first arrives at town, the mysterious drifter playing sort of the Clint Eastwood stereotype from the um, the uh, Spaghetti Westerns, the Dollar Trilogy, Um I thought that that was up there with some of the better scenes in Westerns where, I mean, there was appropriate amount of tension and then the, the ensuing uh, sort of showdown between him and the, the, uh, the villain of the piece. I thought it worked because I mean, what happens when the dude gets all braggadocious, like, uh, the villain of this is played by James Ransom, uh, who was, I, I hadn't seen him in anything before and I, I don't really you know i don't think he was a great i don't think he was great as a villain but i think that the interactions between them leading up to the um you know the final 30 minutes 40 minutes of the movie i thought that was great i i, I enjoyed it so All i don't right. want to spoil anything yeah, here yeah. because it, it just seemed to me like that part was a little bit original I, I i think they were trying real hard i think ethan hawk wants to be a western actor uh, apparently he filmed this movie before he did Magnificent Seven, and I think he got him itching to do more westerns. Somehow he manages to be stoic like Clint Eastwood, and still managed to chew all the scenery. Really? He's yeah. I, right. I thought I didn't care for his line delivery or anything. It just it, it didn't work. I thought his acting job in the Magnificent Seven was much better. Really? Much, much I would have put, I would have reversed those two things. I think that there is enough. I mean, I didn't think he was great in the Magnificent Seven. I didn't think that character was great. There was a lot of the stuff like the post traumatic stress thing in the Magnificent Seven that's sort of explained by this movie. If it is like a mm-hmm. continuation of that that sort of character, but um, no, I thought that he was intriguing and the relationship he had his, with his dog was endearing. The dog was the best part. The dog put on the best acting performance. Yeah, he was awesome. So, yeah. uh, generally that, uh, creates a poor picture unless you're watching Lassie or Rin Tin Tin. My biggest problem with the movie was though, the villain, I think not, not John Travolta, because like you said, he was more of a bit part. He wasn't the direct villain. But when I look at the best movies we've seen, the best Westerns we've seen moving backwards, uh, Tone, tone, uh, Bone Tomahawk notwithstanding, I thought Brian Cox and Michael Wincott in the movie Forsaken were awesome. Mm-hmm. 
They were the high, one of the highlights of that movie. And then Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in Salvation as the villain, and he was really good in that. Uh, the Salvation, I think, the Mads Mikkelsen movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Eva Green was in that. And Ben Mendelsohn plays a sort of a villain as Payne in that movie Slow West that I was championing back last year. I thought that if you'd have had a different, if, if Ty West had cast someone else in that role, like any one of these guys, well, not Brian Cox because he's a little bit too old, probably Morgan is too, but uh, like a Ben Mendelsohn character. Or even um, who played the gentleman character in Bone Tomahawk. I know you know him from Lost. Michael Fox. Yeah. No. No. Michael. No. <laughs> something Fox. James Fox? Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. <laughs> the, the three brothers, the Fox brothers. Uh, I thought I, I think that it, I would have had more. I think I would have had a better time with the movie because I thought that he was weak, but he was also a poorly written character, um, in terms of like just the things that he does and the, the the way that he behaves. I think the interactions between them could have been tightened up, it would have made for a better yeah. experience. Yeah, I don't think the dialogue was great. Uh, set design really good. I don't know where they found that town to use. I, I can't believe that they built that many facades yeah, for the whole I don't thing. Know. Uh, it. Yeah, it felt like it was out of some other western. Maybe there is some set you can go and rent and yeah, use. They're all over. Maybe it's a holdover from some of those old know. Hollywood but movies. I thought that was good. Uh, cinematography was, you know, pretty solid, with the exception of that one flashback scene. And I think that's just production. Oh, we got, yeah, we got to add something. We only have a couple hours to film this. We're pretty much out of money. Let's slap something together. Um. Uh, oh, the best. Oh, I'm sorry. The best part of the movie was the music. Music was really good. After watching that opening scene and then the credit sequence is great, and that music, I'm like, wow, I am ready. This is an iconic Western score. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that score will be forever tied to this film. I don't think so. That, that, could, be a, that could be a great Western score. If that, if that had been tied to a better movie. It could hit iconic so status. You didn't think it was derivative. I mean, I you, it did sound it, like an EO Morricone's. EO oh yeah, Morricone's it did. Stuff. I was ready. So that doesn't make it iconic. Re- I mean, if it's just it was going to work for me. Well, and the title sequence made was exciting too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was all of that was uh, it's homage, definite homage. Whereas Magnificent Seven tried to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. By, by updating things, this was actually trying to play in the tropes in the time period. So it wasn't necessarily trying to bring it to a modern... Uh, That's fine. It creates a timeless quality. Right. And so... That's what I liked about it. Like 12 you, minutes of the film, I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be good. And then it's dragging. I'm like, when are we going to so when get did you somewhere? Lo- when did the... When did you lose it? Uh, probably in the bar. I'm really? like, really? I this thought the bar on. was really good. I thought the bar scene was good except for um, the 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 salesman character. I thought that was sort of out of place. Yeah. And they could have done a better job with it, but I I just kind of liked it. I liked the way he comes in, saddles up to the bar, he keeps his mouth shut. He's trying to keep out of, you know, he's trying to drink his water. Drink his little water and keep his promise that he had with his dog. So... I don't know. I, there were things in the ending though that uh, that I thought redeemed it somewhat. Because like I, I'm like you, there was sort really of a little bit. Of, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. We, let's get there. Let's then. get there then, dude. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I don't- 
Alright, so it, it's probably not a fair question because every single movie doesn't have to be completely original. But did did you not see anything original in the ending? Uh yeah, there's a gunfight, a, a shootout, and they both managed to miss the guy straight in front of them. And I'm not Travolta over on the yeah, side. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. Ending. And they That's don't the even try and correct their aim. They just keep they, they shooting. They just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. I'm like, come on. this is <laughs> uh, The overkill on that was good. The overkill on that was, uh, it was effective. And it, it might it might make an appearance later on to the Laffy Award show. Oh. Uh, all right. <laughs> There's something going on with that today. I mean, it's going to get a nomination. The, the cheese stands alone. I don't remember... Anything where a guy is caught in the middle of a crossfire and, and it goes to that level. They did take it to 11 there. So I, I appreciated it, even though it didn't necessarily work. But what about the uh, the last suing of uh, the Ransom character, Jilly? Where he goes up into the rafters and he last sues him. Oh, and then he jumps down and chokes him out. You'd think that was great. He chokes him and then he lets him down. I'm like, kill him. Well, didn't uh, something happen where he... He he couldn't kill him, but I, like I think he let him down. But I can't remember. He's like hitting him, and then somehow he gets knocked down, and he can't get. He back lets him to down so feet. that he can sort of torture him, get back his revenge on him. Yeah, but then the guy pulls a knife, and and then the girl shoots. Yeah, him. the redhead has to save the day. That's becoming a trope. But there's the little reveal. There's that kind of like I mean that wasn't original, and then where she pulls the sheet down, and he's in the distance. That none of that's original. But I like the lassoing of the guy. I thought that that worked. Yeah, but then you let him down. I'm like, that's stupid. Well, everything yeah, was stupid. Yeah, Just got him. The whole there's no reason for that jelly guy to go after him. I mean, if he's all he's going to do is throw him off of a cliff, and no one's going to know that he killed the guy, which he didn't kill the guy. It, it doesn't do oh, anything. The, it doesn't. The, the cliff throw is stupid. I know. They get, oh, we we didn't see where he landed. He's not even really wounded. Is it even that much of a cliff? No, apparently not. Like he, just, like, he just pushes him over to the arroyo, and it's not even a. It was like, hey, I don't see him anywhere. Well, no, you can't see anything after five feet. Uh, and then he just takes a little nap. <laughs> he wakes up the next day. But oh, it's heartbreaking, man. His dog is dead. It is. That was horrible. But uh, then he also horrifying, horrible. Okay, his dog gets shot, and he's like going and trying to help her. He's not worried that someone is shooting at his dog. And if they shot his dog, they'll probably shoot him. Well, he doesn't care. All he cares about is fixing his dog. I understand that. And he doesn't sleep with a gun next to him? Yeah, that was stupid. When the dog started barking in the middle of the night, that's when he should have got up guns blazing. What, what are you barking at, Abby? <laughs> yeah, that was so stupid. I'm like, come on. That's when I almost turned it off. And let alone these guys tracked him in the middle of the night and found his camp. Well, he, they would have found his camp from the campfire. He wasn't that far away. He wasn't that far away. All they had, all they had to do was just follow the trail out. Because he had... The reason that he was so lackadaisical about you know protecting himself is because the sheriff said that this kid's going to leave him alone. He would have ex- he expected. Yeah, but you don't know who else you're going to leave. find out there. Yeah, it's stupid. He never light a fire <laughs> out in the wilderness, except and I he's don't know. not even that he was close cold. to the fire. <laughs> he was cold. He's not that cold. He's uh, twenty feet away from the fire. Yeah, I don't know. There's a whole, but that's again a trope. It's it's a thing. I mean, they have they have to be able to explain how the guy gets there. That stuff has been. So I know it could have been original. It could have been, but the I mean, yeah, you could say the same thing about almost any movie. I don't know why some movies like this work for me. And, and I, I, I think they could have had the dog get shot. It, they could have just made everything work so much better. 
please, I can save her. Let me help her. No, I liked him pleading that. I mean, that I like it's it. it's such. Bad I don't. I don't think it should have happened at night. And I don't. I I, I think that it sh- it sh- they should have shown how how destroyed Jilly was or Gilly by this interaction that he had. It was the first time that a braggadocious, uh, you know, hornblower gets his uppance. His uppance came in the form of uh, Ethan Hawke's mysterious drifter, and you don't really see the fallout of that. I think if you'd had a couple of stages of fallout after that, and then it would have had clearer motivation for him to go back after him. But because no one's going to know or ever see or find out, if the way that they did it, that he'd done this thing, then it doesn't make any sense. If no one's going to know that Jilly got back, got the guy back by, you know, because they pushed him off a cliff and left him there, then it, it, he doesn't redeem himself in the eyes of the, yeah, and then, the four and a half but, people that are left back at the town. So, yeah, but even that's an opportunity to have more character development for the villain. I know. Okay, yeah, throw him off the cliff because you're you don't have the guts to actually shoot him. Mm-hmm. But they they never go anywhere with that. They never develop that more fully. I, I get it. I it's get just it. Uh, I told you that whole sequence almost made me turn it off. The whole movie. There are all these missed opportunities. I'm like, wow, that's the idea you came up with. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's missteps or uh, you're not seeing the big picture. It seems like you don't. Maybe you don't have the budget to go back and fix or correct. I, I don't know. It seems like it's like if someone if you if you leave the house dressed like you do sometimes. People have to wonder why your wife didn't say something. No, I mean in oh, general. Just in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not you specifically. Yeah. Well, maybe you specifically, yeah, but not in enough. this case. So, not a great Western, but I'm still recommending it. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, and I think uh, DirecTV even has it. It's, not, it's in some theaters, but. Go watch Magnificent Seven. Or uh, yeah. e- even I prefer Forsaken. This is better than Magnificent Seven. This, for, to me, is better. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no. It's not the best Western of the year, though. The best Western of the year so far is Hell or High Water. Okay, yeah, for a yeah, modern <laughs> Western. but Yeah, I, this is better than Magnificent Seven. Um, Jane Got a Gun is probably the worst. <laughs> I have them ranked. Hell or High Water, then Gosh, this. I might then like Jane Got Seven. a Gun more than this. I think I like uh, Forsaken better than Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I know I do. Magnificent Seven, for me, is probably last. And I, I like Magnificent Seven. I think I recommended it. I think this is I think this is worse than Jane Got a Gun. Jane Got a Gun had some good parts to it. That's sacrilege. Jane Got a Gun was horrible. We didn't even review it. We reviewed the movie Remember instead of Jane Got a Gun. We went and saw Jane Got a Gun together, watched it together, talked about it together, and then realized we can't review this movie. We can't find anything redeemable to say about it. Yeah, you did I was not defend Jane Got a Gun. I, I was kind of hoping we wouldn't review this. Really. Yeah. You said it was good at the start of the show. Yeah, the music. Did the you dog. think that I was going to say it was horrible? I, I think you've been very positive. I, I wish I could be more positive. I just, I felt let down. All right. And I, I watched so many other good things this weekend that like, right. yeah, I think it also made this pale in comparison. That's fair enough. All right. I, I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. So. That's fine. That's, I understand. The last cowboy movie that John Travolta was in was in 1980. Urban Cowboy. Quote from that movie says, All cowboys ain't dumb. Some of them got smarts real good, like me. <laughs> so for, for Mr. Ryan Bull over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Train. 
Hawks head bone them, everybody. There be dragons. Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show. 